For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hello and welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno, your host, and we'll be talking more NBA draft. I know that's all we've been doing for the last two months, but this is probably the last one, I would say. Now that we actually have the picks, we can go a little more into detail. Uh, Maybe that's a lie. Maybe there'll be some slightly more draft-related stuff uh, when we hear who the undrafted free agents are, the Wizards pick up, or any other names coming onto the Summer League roster. We'll get a little bit more into that in in kind of follow-on weeks, but in terms of actual draft picks for the Wizards, this will probably be the last detailed podcast. Uh, luckily, joining me, I have Stone Hanson. Stone hosts the Upside Swings podcast. They just do great work over there. Like they, these guys watch so much tape, they watch so much film, and are really sort of the most like detailed people I know in terms of like really breaking down people like Yannick Zosa and and stuff like that that I you know just don't know enough about. So that's why I want to have Stone on here. I think he can add some. Really good detail for those of us who are less familiar with our new draft and stash prospect here. So we'll get into that here in a second. But first, just a word from one of our sponsors, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's NFL futures. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. And with that, let's get to my combo with Stone. Okay, pleased to welcome Stone Hansen to the show. Stone, thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I have kind of did a soft intro here and let everybody know that you are one of the key sources I turn to for people that I have never heard of when it comes to draft <laughs> evaluation, because you know the nitty gritty on all these guys. So we will get to the Wizards second round pick, Yannick Sosa here. In a couple of minutes, but let's start with the obvious one, the lottery pick, Johnny Davis. So just for anybody who hasn't seen Johnny Davis play, maybe they only watch the NBA and they don't know anything about college basketball. How would you describe him for people? What's his game like? Uh, I would say right now um, it, he's projected probably to be more of an off guard. Uh, I think that he is uh, one of the better like uh, strength based creators in this class. Um Really, I think uh, an awesome underrated passer. Uh, the accessibility to those passes may be limited just due to the fact that he doesn't have the um, quite the like craftiness or the a ton of advanced dribble moves. But his handle's not bad either. Um, I do think that he is a good finisher, uh, especially like we talked about with the strength. Uh, I think that comes into play there. 
Uh, one of the better guard defenders in this class too, I would say. Uh, a lot of people peg Dyson Daniels. I think Johnny Davis is probably right up there with him. Um, he's really uh, just, uh, he never lets his guy get behind him. He's, he's really good at just keeping his guy in front of him. Uh, pretty quick hands. Um, and generally just like strong awareness of where to be on the court uh, as a team defender. So uh, I think that he is like a really uh, a home run pick here for the, for the wizards. I love to hear it. I think that's the most uh, optimistic reaction we've gotten so far. The wizards and home runs do not get, you know, sort of uh, pegged in the same sentence very often. So uh, we will certainly take that. I I've kind of gone back and forth with him as a, a prospect, right? Like in December, I wrote something about, this is the guy the Wizards need to like cross their fingers, falls to them because he'd be great. And then, you know, the shooting sort of trailed off a good amount. Like at the time I wrote that, I think he was shooting like 50 plus percent from the field and like 38% from three and scoring 20 a game and playing elite defense. And I was like, holy shit, like we have to have this guy. And it just, whether it's the injury or, or whatever, I, I don't really know if that's, um, fully to blame for it if he just cooled off or defense is keyed in on him more so any light you can shed into like why maybe he cooled as the season went along would be helpful i think yeah for sure uh i think that a big part of it was that he was relied upon to be like their first second and third source of offense like he mm -hmm. was wisconsin's offense through and through and without him there, there just wasn't any um, and I think that plays a big part in terms of fatigue later on in the season um, when he's asked to be relied upon so heavily. Uh, he also did have an injury. I forget exactly what it was, but I remember it kept him out for a little bit. Um, and, and like a quad back, or a hamstring, I want to say. I yeah, thought it was like a, a, like a muscle-related injury. Yeah, I, I think it was like some, some lower body injury. Um, and he, uh, coming back from that, didn't look the same. Um, but again, he was, he was tasked with such a heavy load coming back. It's not like they just eased him in for 10 minutes a game. So uh, I think that was part of it, but, um, he also, he doesn't have a great track record of being a shooter. Um, and so there's concern there, but, uh, I do think that there's enough flashes for me to buy. Um, he had some off the dribble creation, uh, albeit not like super frequent. Um, but I, I do think that there's stuff there. The touch was decent. The free throw for shooting wasn't bad. So um, I think that there's, there's indicators there to, to make me believe that he can, he can be a fine, like catch and shoot guy. Uh, maybe not like a, a huge off the dribble guy. Um, but I, I do think that, yeah, definitely the injury and, and just how much of a load he had throughout the season for Wisconsin played a part in that. I think the other thing too, is just the context of like him this season versus last season, right? Like he was not, a guy for them really last season. And now you're carrying like the whole offensive load almost out of nowhere. Like, you know, going from 35 plus college games to 80 plus NBA games is obviously a big jump, but just going from, you know, minimal role player on 35 games to maximum usage guy for 35 games is a huge jump too. That I don't think all these guys are sort of necessarily prepared to take on. So I think doubling down on your point about like, fatigue over the course of the season it's it's not like he was paulo playing two years in a row of like super high usage he he had to like you know have no he didn't have any opportunity to build up into that i guess yeah for sure um and i think that uh, not being used to that role like you're saying it just uh, your body has to acclimate to that that's a lot of wear and tear um and also um like 
he's such a he tries so hard defensively too it's not like he's um like Posting. for example yeah. yeah when you watch Paolo there there's some of that um but but when you're Johnny Davis like he's constantly hounding at the point of attack so there's a lot of energy uh expended on on both ends of the court it's not just what he's doing on offense so that that's a lot of energy and in usage and just wear and tear on the body throughout the course of a season and typically like college basketball analysts and, and evaluators are not stupid right they know the sport they know what sort of are the indicators of a good team and that wisconsin team was pegged to be preseason i think they were 11th i want to say in like the preseason big 10 standings and you know the reason that they were winning that conference uh and they had the conference player of the year is just how much of a jump that that johnny davis made from last year to this year i I think that can't kind of be discounted that this was a team that other than him people think you know people thought would be a bottom feeder And, and he made a comment last night and i don't think maybe i accurately uh you know, represented the way he phrased it uh, because uh, he, he did say like, Hey, I didn't play with a bunch of NBA players. And I, he meant it more in like, I wasn't on like a loaded Duke or Kentucky team where I could take nights off, but just the comment, you know, the comment by itself with the 250 some characters, people are like, Oh, why do you have to say that? He's throwing his teammates under the bus. It's like, no, it's just Brad Davison is not Bradley Beal. Like it's a very big difference between the guys he played with last year and the guys he'll play with this year. So I think for him, you mentioned the passing. That's sort of the thing about his game. I actually find like most intriguing. The Wizards seem to think he can be a full-time point guard, which we can get into here in a minute. So I don't know that I see that, but he does make some like really special passes. And a lot of times to his own comment, there were things he would have liked to have thrown, but he didn't have the guys to like receive those passes or do anything with it. So, so if you can talk a little bit more about the passing and, and maybe how being in an NBA environment might actually unlock that more. Yeah, sure. So I, I think that um, it starts a lot with the touch on passes. I think the the delivery on passes is very impressive. Um, like I said earlier, I think that some of that is limited due to who is playing with, but also I, I think like off the bat, he's going to be, probably best utilized as as an off guard and then more eased into that role i don't Mm -hmm. think that um starting him as your starting point guard is is necessarily ideal or optimal for for his development um i think that he he, a lot of it is strength-based creation at the moment with him Um, he is an extremely strong guard and he uses that to his advantage uh but as a ball handler i think there's some work to be done um i don't think he's a bad ball handler by any means but i think that more passes can be accessible um, with more advantage creation in different ways, opposed to just strength-based creation. Um, I think that he has uh, a lot of passes that he sees that aren't necessarily accessible at the moment, but just the court mapping is impressive. Um, and like I said, a, a lot of it for me comes back to just delivery. Like I think there's a lot of pinpoint passes. He puts the, like the perfect amount of velocity on them. Uh, he's very good at leading teammates to the hoop. So there's a lot there to work with, I think. And in due time, I, I can see him as as probably a full-time point guard. I think it's just going to take a little bit. So one of the cops I've sort of been recently coming around to, and they, they play differently, but uh, so Larry Hughes on this podcast, right, is another kind of combo-y type guard that also defended threes from time to time because he was athletic enough and strong enough to do it. But one of the things Larry talked about was just how much work he had to put in into getting the ball to people in sort of the right spots and their preferred spots. And, and that was a thing that took him some time to learn. And 
he told an anecdote about like Jordan actually getting him benched at some point because Ty Lue threw him better post entry passes than Larry did. So it's, it's a learned skill to your point. I don't think, you know, day one, he's going to come in and like put the ball perfectly where Brad or Porzingis wants it uh, all, all the time. At least that would be my expectation, but hearing the comments last night, our president and general manager, Tommy Shepard made it very much seem like they plan on him being a day one point guard. So I'm a little nervous about that. And Davis himself even said like, yeah, I can bring the ball up and I can like start the play. Uh, but I did play mostly the three this past year. So I, I guess if you could talk a little bit more too about like, you know, we saw him a lot with the ball, especially if you watch highlights and stuff like that, but like he was clearly not the point guard on the Wisconsin team this past year, right? Yeah, no, there there were other guys um, that uh, did a lot more in terms of just initiating plays, and he did a lot of more like second side creation or mm -hmm. um, even more isolation stuff. He wasn't necessarily like the table setter, um, but I, I and I'm not sure that's the optimal case for him on the Wizards. Um, but I do think that like coaches. Well, you would hope uh, see that eventually, like after a certain amount of games, this just isn't necessarily his role at the moment. And um, I think Bill is capable of, of handling those sort of duties. So, uh, you know, maybe there's, there's some optimism that, that Bill can take over. And then once, once um, Johnny's able to, he can, he can sort of take back the reins. Um, but I do think that, yeah, like at Wisconsin, he was not this sort of dynamic point guard that's initiating stuff or, or setting up everybody, um, like I said, there's flashes of it and I think in due time that can happen, but that's just not really his game right now. I think that his most optimal, um, use in terms of development is, is probably going to be easing him into that sort of role. Uh, and mostly just like, like secondary creation and, um, attacking tilted defenses that, that somebody has already started. So I, I think that, um, there's, there's room for that, but it's just not where he is at the moment. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Our last couple, I'm going to do air quotes here for people who can't see me, uh, point guards here, I'll say, you've got Howell Neto, you've got, uh, you know, Ish Smith is, is better at this than the rest of these guys, I think. But even Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Russell Westbrook, you know, Westbrook would end up with 12 assists, but he, he wasn't like maybe necessarily like this special passer in the way that like wall would make these like cross court left-handed live dribble passes to people and hit them perfectly in stride. Johnny Davis doesn't do that as often, but he does make a few of those where you're like, wow, like there aren't many people that can make that pass. And, and I think that's, um, that's an exciting thing for me is just, even if he does that three or four times a game, I think that still enhances your offense overall. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think that he's like, some elite passer, but I do think that there's like, there, like you're saying, there's flashes of that. Um, I think he's not like Westbrook where I think with Westbrook, it was he, so much of it was, he was just so much more athletic than everybody, <clears throat> excuse me. And he, he could get into spots and create advantages just purely because 
he's a much better of an athlete. I don't think that's Johnny Davis. Um, I do think he's a really good athlete and a really strong guy, but that's just not really how he creates his advantages. Um, I do think that he's, he's a really good connective passer. So early on, that's going to serve well, I think for the wizards offense where, um, you know, hopefully in early enough, they, they recognize that he's not this full-time point guard and they can kind of put him more of an off ball guy and, uh, in slowly increase that role more and more um, as a connective guide to where he's, he's comfortable slowly initiating stuff. Uh, but I do think the connective passes, even there's some, like he's not even creating the advantages. He's just stationary and he sees someone cutting uh, and it's really um, like someone cutting baseline and he's at the top of the key. Uh, there, there's things like that. And not all of them are off movement, um, but there's, there's enough flashes that make you, kind of think and, and ponder and consider like, can, can this guy become a really, really good passer uh, in due time? So most of their comments last night focused on the ability to play point guard and his defense. And obviously the shooting is a concern. I think you alluded to this. I, I'm in agreement that he'll, he's a better shooter than I think we saw percentage wise this year. So when you just look at the raw numbers, I don't think they're fully representative. And, and he and Tommy Shepard both made some comments about, you know, he got stuck with the grenades a lot last year and, and things like that, which is definitely true. I don't know how many of them are and how much it kind of, uh, you know, tilted his his percentage. But, you know, when in, in a lessened role, I would imagine the percentage gets better. Uh, but he is a scorer like the, you don't put up 20 a game in a Big Ten with huge guys in the middle as a slasher with very limited help around you unless you can, like, put the ball in the basket. And I think somehow like myself included, this is something that like has been slept on recently. Like, okay. Yeah. He's, um, you know, he's Josh Hart is a friend of ours comp, uh, you know, that, that they've made, which is not a bad comp. I actually like Josh Hart, but Josh Hart wasn't scoring 20 points a game in the big 10. You know what I mean? Like it, it it's, he's got more to him. So what do you think about his like day one ability to come in and score the basketball in the NBA? Yeah. I mean, I think day one, He's not going to be like this, this super great shooter, but um, I do think that he's very crafty. He knows the thing with Johnny is he knows where he's most efficient, where he's most comfortable. And he gets to those spots very, very well. He loves going into like the mid post and, and because he's so strong posting up a little bit and doing a little fade away. Mm -hmm. um, he has a lot of these sort of like one dribble pull-ups Uh He's very proficient in the mid-range. I just love the versatility and shot diet that he has. Um, he's a pretty solid finisher. Uh, I think some of that is going to have to be like second side stuff where he's mm -hmm. not necessarily the one, but he's he's more attacking closeouts and straight lane drives and things like that. But he's pretty efficient when he does do it. Um, the shooting, I think, is going to come in time. Like I, I don't think he's this off-ball guy. Um that's fully like you can run him around screens and use any sort of movement shooter or anything. But I do think having somebody that can create more for him because at Wisconsin, like we were saying, he's, he's the only one really creating shots for Johnny Davis. So I think that having somebody to ease that pressure off of him a little bit will definitely help the percentages. Um, and he, he's not like ever going to be a 40% guy probably, but he's also never going to be like a huge liability either. I think that, um, there's enough there where you buy the touch in the mid range. If you buy the touch, um, sort of the occasional floater doesn't get into it a ton, but I think that there's flashes. Um, you can really see like 
he, he'll be a fine enough catch and shoot guy to where you're not worried about spacing on the court. Glad you said the floater thing because I'm always like nervous about a prospect where one of the first couple things on their strength is like elite floater game. I just I don't need to see you take 10 floaters a game. Like get to the hoop, try to dunk on somebody, draw some fouls. I think he'll be able to get to the free throw line a good amount day one. And this is just sort of my own personal stance on modern basketball. But I think being athletic offensively is less important than maybe it's been for the last two decades. Like you don't have to have this amazing first step to get by somebody before they can hand check you anymore. It's like nobody can touch you. Everything's a ticky tack foul. So if you don't have blazing speed or you're not the most dynamic first step guy, like Luca puts people on his hip and he's strong and he gets past people. And not that Johnny Davis is going to be Luca. I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but like, you know, you can still do a lot of stuff if, to your point, you're crafty and you're creative and you have like different, you play with different paces. And I, I think Davis can do enough of those things that the, the scoring should reasonably translate, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like I was saying, I, I think a big reason why I just like him so much as this score is he's just so versatile in the shots mm-hmm. that he gets. He's not someone that, um, for example, like Ochaik Baji, a lot of his shots are catch and shoot or just close out attacking. With Davis, it's it's a lot of mid-range stuff. He does fadeaways, turnarounds, one dribble pull-ups. There's just a lot of different things he has in his bag that he can get to. Um, not necessarily, I don't want to say like from day one he's gonna be, you know, being able to do exactly what he did in Wisconsin and, and getting 20 <laughs> points a game doing it <laughs> all the time. But I, I do think that um being able to just diversify and, and sort of keep defenses guessing in terms of how you're going to get your shot off and, and where you want to get to uh, is important. And I think Johnny Davis does that uh, pretty well. If he's a reasonably efficient 10 or 11 point per game scorer in decent minutes and a good perimeter defender for the Wizards, plus a guy who can start a little offense for you, I think that's a pretty good rookie year for for somebody like that. And just circling back to the defense here, the Wizards wanted athleticism and they wanted some defense. I, I, I've heard some knocks on his athleticism and, and things like that. And we've talked a little bit about it. Like he's not going to like have a 48 inch vertical jump or, or anything crazy, but I think there's more to being an athlete. Like if you have a good sense of space and good timing and can be in the right places and you have good quick hands, like reasonable length. I think Davis is going to be able to translate well defensively to the NBA kind of on and off ball. Uh, Where do you see him like long-term as a defender? Can he be a better than average perimeter defender in the NBA? I think so. Um, And I think that a lot of it starts at least as an off ball guy with the court mapping. Uh, I think that shows on offense and it also translates to the defensive end where he's able to see a lot of things and just able to make sure he's in the right spots at the right times. Um, he does a pretty good job of not um, gambling, over gambling with things, um, which is, I don't think he's going to be like this insane, like defensive playmaker because of that. But I think being able to just make sure that everything on your, you're doing your part team on the team defense is really important. And I think Johnny Davis does do that uh, on ball. I think he moves pretty well. He's very good at mirroring guys and, and keep making sure that they're in front of him. Uh, he's probably not the best like recovery guy just because he doesn't have the athletic frame or, or things like that. But um, he's good at keeping guys like 
next to him on, on line drives where he's able to just sort of put a lot of pressure on them when they're going towards the rim. So I think he'll be like a, a pretty fine point of attack guy. And uh, I think a really solid off ball defender as well. We can use both of those things. So um, speaking of defense, I think there's probably a reasonable point to transition into our second uh, player to talk about here with the 56th pick taken 54th overall. However, we're choosing to phrase that these days. Uh, the Wizards took Yannick Zosa. It's spelled N-Z-O-S-A, but am I saying his last name right? Yeah, from what from what I know, that's the correct pronunciation. I like went and watched a couple like basketball Champions League games from earlier, and like that's how they kept saying it. So I'm like, well, <laughs> presumably uh, the people calling his own league should be able to know that. But that was a question in the sort of media room last night during the pick is like, is it Enzosa? Is it Zosa? Uh, but it, it sounds like we won't need to worry about the pronunciation during Wizards games much for maybe the next year plus. So for, for anybody that's not familiar, he's an 18 and a half year old uh, from Congo. He played in Spain the last two years. He's about 6'11 and three quarters is his listed height. So basically a seven footer, supposedly a seven four, seven five wingspan. Pretty skinny, it looks like. But this is like one of the youngest players in the draft, and uh, it seems like he's going to need some time to, to develop here. So, do do you see him being able to be here in another year? Is this a multi-year stash? Is this a stash where we may never see him in the NBA? Sort of, what's your sense on him, uh, like his long-term future? I guess. Yeah, uh, probably somewhere in between multi-year and, and maybe never seeing okay. him in the NBA. Um, definitely going to need more, I think, than than one year. Um, he's very – a lot of people were super in on him early on in the season where uh, some people had him like top 10 coming into the year just because Zosa is a one-of-one one type mover for his height. Um, there's there's almost nobody that moves quite like Zosa where – he, he glides around the court and he's super, um, super duper mobile where his hips move very well, very fluid athlete. Um, almost, I, I'm not sure I've really seen someone his size move the way he does, but the, the, the real sort of, and it comes across defensively where he, he just moves so well with people um, on drives, on getting out to guys. He's just a phenomenal, like functional athlete. Um, the big problem with Zosa is, if I can be brutally honest, it looks like he he just started playing basketball a month That's ago. What That's we uh, want, by the way, on this podcast <laughs> is brutal honesty. I did read that he didn't start playing basketball until he was like 12 or 13. And, yeah, you know, five years is, is not a lot of time to learn the nuances of like a professional sport in a really good league. Yeah, for sure. Um, he did. Uh, I have heard that where he picked it up late, but um, for being in basketball five years, it feels like he should be further along than he currently okay, is. So he's raw, raw. Um, very raw. Um, the, the rawest of raw sort of wow. player. Um, there's a lot of, uh, it's mostly on offense. I will say where he's just does not process things very well. Um, there's a lot of, he, ha- he's posting up um, and he currently has like not really any touch and he'll, he'll post up for a, a hook shot. And there's like three cutters that pass him by that are wide open and he just does not see them. Um, and he, he puts a hook shot up for an air ball and you just sort of like, 
what are you doing? <laughs> um, is this the prime Dwight Howard where he demanded a certain amount of post touches and you were worried he was going to break <laughs> the backboard with his hook shots like that, that little feel like is, is uh, it that bad? It's more, more air balls. Air um, balls. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's just defensively like it, you'd see the intrigue because nobody moves like Zosa does and, and rarity is, is value in the NBA, right? If, if you can get someone yeah. that does something that's very rare, that's, that holds a lot of value. So from that standpoint, Zosa, I think, has a lot of intrigue from a lot of people. And uh, defensively, he he does utilize it, not consistently. That's sort of where the field questions lie, where he, he's not consistently making the right rotations, making the right reads. But when he does, you're like, wow, this guy is an all-defensive sort of future guy. But then offensively, like the short roll passing, there's – Every like game, maybe there's there's one like short roll pass where you're like, ooh, that looks really good. Um, and then there's four or five other ones where it's like, how are you missing this? You're just sort of running into a guy and the guy's taking a charge on you because you can't slow your momentum or, or see him quickly enough. So there's a lot of just small like flashes where you're you can really buy it, mm-hmm. but there's there's many more low lights to sort of subdue that. Even watching the highlights, you could see some of that too, where it's like, okay, if these are the highlights and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's only a two and a half minute video here, there's probably a lot of like bad over the course of the season. Although he didn't play a ton of minutes. You mentioned that he was uh, kind of higher thought of coming into the year. So like Jonathan Wasserman or Bleacher Report had him 10th. I know Chad Ford of NBA Big Board at the time had him somewhere around the lottery to start the year, I want to say. So this is a pretty big, uh, he had a pretty underwhelming season for the most part to end up barely being drafted. Uh, So is that just they, he didn't take the leap that people expected or he looked worse? Like, I'm just trying to like gauge how those people were this off on where he'd end up, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was definitely in on it too, because I think a lot of people just sort of, he had limited minutes the year before and people were just sort of buying, oh, well, sort of projecting, like if he gets more minutes, he'll natural progression and development will occur and and he'll be, you know, better. And and those flashes will be more and more often. And you can really see him being this, uh, otherworldly mover that, that does a lot of interesting things. Um, but he ended up just being with like an increased role in, in, not living up to that where it's it's the flashes became fewer and fewer and that the low lights became more and more and it was uh really worrisome in terms of uh you know how does this guy translate to the nba if he can't make reads consistently um and and most often misses just a lot of things on the on the court um but i think what you're betting on with zosa is he's extremely young right he's still 18 and a half. I think you said he, I know he's 18. Um, and you know, hopefully within two or three years that comes along with it where if this, if Zosa was 20 or 21, I would not consider him any sort of NBA prospect, but because of the fact he's so young, that leaves a lot of room for key developmental years for him to progress. So, um, I'm not totally out on Zosa as an NBA player in due time. I think that there's pathways to it. Um, because he is so young, but I just think that if that is to come, it's, it's going to be probably at least two more years. 
and that's perfect for the Wizards fan base because we're always known for our patience and uh, giving guys <laughs> time to develop. I, I, I say that obviously jokingly because we have already seemingly like totally turned on Isaiah Todd after one sort of <laughs> underwhelming G League season. So uh, I, I, I think I'm like the last member of the Isaiah Todd hopeful hopefuls club here. So it sounds like it's probably better for us and our blood pressure if Sosa does not come over for a year or two, because uh, I don't think we'd be able to handle him airballing hook <laughs> shots or, you know, falling down or, or whatever, you know, kind of uncoordinated stuff happens when you're just trying to grow into like a big body like that. Uh, the other thing I read too, is that he grew up a soccer player and he was a goalie and he kind of like, like blocking shots in soccer and it applied to basketball and stuff like that. But usually like, the soccer players just to stereotype have like good footwork and sort of like movement and things like that. How is he kind of that perspective? Uh, in terms of like movement, like I said, it's just, you, you don't see guys move the way he does. Like in terms of recovery, mm-hmm. if he gets beat, he's, he's going to recover a lot of times because he's, he's just such a flexible and, and mobile guy at his size. Um, he does not have good footwork. Um, he's just, it's not advanced. Total, totally lost Every, on the offensive end. It sounds like so far. Yeah. It's just, everything is just super unpolished. I guess is the best way to put it. There's, there, there's really no polish to his game. It's, it's all flashes that you're buying. Um, and again, like I said, at 18, that's something worth buying. If, if you, if you can see it um, and th- there's room for that to grow because he's so young, but uh, currently there's just, there's no real polish to his game and there's nothing you can definitively say like Zosa is going to be a positive in this way offensively when he gets to the NBA. The long-term like archetype that he fulfills, I guess, is sort of the hopeful Clint Capella rim running, shot blocking, mobile, reasonably good lateral mover kind of, you know, set up right i mean is that was that what we're hopeful that he turns into yeah i mean i think there's i mean there's he's one of the more like projectable guys that you could put into like a switch sort of defense where he's you you can put him out on the perimeter and feel totally fine about it um if he were to process things and 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 you know sort of especially like more off ball make sure that he's in the right places and things like that um where he's a solid rim protector, I think. So you feel really comfortable putting him on whatever assignment you want for that night because he's so, he's so versatile and switchable uh, as the mover that he is. Um, but understanding the more technical aspects and grasping the, the more nuances within defense is, is going to be the next step for him to really grow into that sort of archetype and in, in, in player. I think this does, show that we've come a long way as a basketball evaluating community, and especially from the professional side of things where like a similar player was like um, Seattle took Mohamed Sayer Sene, you know, 15 years ago because he was six foot 11 and he would like volleyball spike shots into the 10th row, but he averaged like three points, one rebound and one block per 15 minutes a game. And shockingly, he never developed anything, but that was with a lottery pick. So now I guess that if we're taking a guy that's a, a similar mold, 50, you know, fifties, uh, we've, we've learned a little bit over the years. Yeah. And that's the great thing about it, right? If you miss on Zosa and he never comes to the NBA, it's the 54th pick. So you're, you're not spending the 10th pick on Johnny Davis. You're not spending that on Zosa and it's not that big a deal. And 
to be honest, that the percentage of guys taken 50s and below generally are just not going to pan out in the NBA. So it's not like you're wasting valuable draft capital on on Zosa if he does never pan out. If you were a Wizards fan, how would you feel about this pick? You mentioned you feel good about the Johnny Davis pick. Like, how should I feel right now, or how should listeners feel about this this uh, draft and stash guy here? Um, so if you're if you're going for draft and stash, if that's the the route that they wanted to go, and instead of taking a, a second round player, that it they sounds like to... they were because they are so enamored with all of the talent overflowing from our G League <laughs> roster right now. I think they project Jordan Shackle and and people like that to be eventual uh, contributors at the NBA level. Which whether or not is realistic, I have no real idea here, but. Uh, that that was sort of the thinking. Supposedly, it was like let's give those guys real opportunities to get a roster spot. Yeah, I mean, so in that case, I I like the pick significantly more because there's just a smaller pool of international players to pick from. By that point, um, by the time they were picking, a lot of guys had already been taken off the board mm-hmm. at the top tier draft and stash guys. Um, I think that there's maybe a couple other names I probably would have looked at before I got to Zosa as an international guy, but he's definitely wasn't at the bottom. So I, I think that it's a fine pick for what they were going for. And I would be cautiously optimistic in terms of what he develops into uh, as over the course of the next year or two. I'm asking you to totally wildly speculate here. Uh, do you think we see him on the summer league roster? Uh, no, that's kind of <laughs> where I'm, I'm that's I'm just, yeah, to. sort of my gut feeling. I think that they, they would, just keep him overseas and, and let him do his thing. Uh, but I mean, I, I think summer league has a ton of roster spots, so we'll see. I don't think it's improbable, but uh, even if he goes to summer league, I think um, he's, there's, there's no way that he, he comes over to the NBA in his first year. Yeah, that I've totally ruled out. I was just wondering if like they would even put him in a situation where he could be totally like, demoralized playing against guys in summer league if he's like that far away from being able to you know compete at that level yeah yeah i think i think that staying overseas is probably where i would mean uh in that outcome uh all right johnny davis yanning zosa we've kind of hit the strengths weaknesses all that stuff anything else you'd like to leave listeners with from either of those prospects that we Uh... haven't touched on not really in terms of an evaluation standpoint. Um, I have heard, uh, just to share real quick, someone throughout, uh, they called Johnny Davis Crunchwrap as a nickname because of all the Taco Bell commercials he's been in. That's so really good. I'm really hoping that sticks. Uh, I'm going to keep using it and, until hopefully other people catch on because I think that's a fantastic nickname. <laughs> I, I will start that right now. I'm going to try <laughs> to get uh, get the whole fan base here going on Crunchwrap. That's a pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I stopped after by the time we got out of the the media room last night it was like basically two o'clock in the morning so oh boy uh, I had sort of skipped dinner so what's open at two o'clock in the morning uh, in the greater <laughs> DC metro area is shockingly Taco Bell so in Johnny Davis's honor I stopped and got a quesadilla <laughs> last night on the way home sounds good I, I bet you there's going to be a lot of promotions going on with with Johnny Davis and Taco Bell now <laughs> I give him credit for that too like that's just a like, Hey, might as well go for it. Uh, oh yeah. And sure. it's, it's not sort of the vibe we got from like his personality during sort of the media session too. He seemed very like matter of fact and all business. And it was a lot about like, Hey, tonight I'm going to enjoy this, but exactly at 1201 midnight, 
like I now start preparing to like destroy dudes, which I love the mindset, but as sort of not tracking with the guy who's showing up in like a reasonably funny Taco Bell commercial. Yeah. Yeah. That it was surprising because I don't think we'd really seen a whole lot of prospects before they're drafted yeah. uh, in commercials. But yeah, it was it was cool to see. Hopefully that continues for more guys. Stone, where can people find your work? Uh, you can find me um, at report underscore court on Twitter and pretty much any work I do will be posted there. I also co-host the Upside Swings podcast where we talk about prospects um, pretty much year round. So if you're interested in uh, maybe 23 prospects for the Wizards, uh, you can start listening to us and we'll start breaking down guys for the 23 class pretty soon. After like the first five guys projected for next year, I have almost no idea. So I'm already looking <laughs> forward to you guys churning out content on who I should be paying attention to. So uh, keep up the great work. Thank you for coming on here. And uh, as always, really appreciate it. Guys, if you're not following Stone already, go check him out. Give his podcast a listen to because if you just want to be smart on the draft and you've enjoyed all the sort of lead up to this particular draft, uh, you can get a whole year's worth of it from these guys um, starting pretty soon here. Stone, yeah. thanks again. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be on. Uh, everybody rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you have questions, if there's anything more you want us to dive into on any of these guys, let us know. Uh, we'll, we'll get you some more content and uh, we're presented by betonline.ag. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done